0: Nestled in the Blue Ridge Mountains, about 30 miles outside of Charlottesville, Virginia, sits a collection of buildings that hold a very strange history. People from around the world regularly travel to the 300-acre facility, but most don't visit because they're interested in exploring the foothills of the sprawling mountain range or the rolling countryside. No, they paid a significant amount of money in an attempt to travel to places beyond our understanding. It was here that according to documents that the CIA declassified in 2001 that the United States Army sent at least 35 officials to in the early 1980s in an effort to revolutionize espionage. But, unlike some of the other programs that the military and intelligence officials had conducted in the decades prior, this place didn't employ the use of psychedelic drugs or microwave rays, no. This place uses simple audio recordings in an attempt to retrain visitors' brains to do the seemingly impossible. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm a writer, a journalist, and a podcaster. And this is Hiding Something Season 2 Ultra. Chapter 3, in places just out of sight. By the late 1950s, Robert Monroe had become a successful radio pioneer, making popular radio dramas and quiz shows heard by countless Americans on stations around the country. His company, R.A.M. Enterprises, specialized in radio entertainment, and Monroe himself became more and more fascinated by the power of audio. He saw how compelling radio programs could be to listeners and decided that R.A.M. should begin exploring new audio ventures for its growing audiences. In 1956, at his direction, R.A.M. launched a research division to experiment with the concept of, quote, sleep learning. That's the idea that if a person listens to specially written educational program while they sleep, some of the information will be subconsciously absorbed and, when they wake up, they'll still be able to retain some of what they heard. It's also a plot point in the modern classic work of fiction Brave New World by author Aldous Huxley. Hypnopenia, as scientists refer to the concept, is not a totally unfounded idea, though there's still plenty of debate in scientific circles about just how effective it really is. However, in the 1950s, psychology was undergoing a significant shift And researchers were becoming more and more interested in the neurological intersections of the field, not just studying behaviors and experiences as former experts like Freud had done. The 1950s were the dawn of what's known as the cognitive revolution in the field of psychology. And researchers started to attempt to understand how the brain does things instead of only focusing on why people behave in certain ways. Monroe was excited about the prospect of pioneering sleep learning research and volunteered himself to be a subject of RAM's experiments. It was during these experiments that Monroe would later claim that he started experiencing strange sensations. He said that he felt vibrations. He would see odd lights and even feel temporarily paralyzed. After weeks of experimentation, Monroe would claim to have an experience that would alter the course of his life. After testing different types of audio in a sleep state, Monroe says that he saw a man lying beside his wife in bed. Startled, he looked at the man more closely and he realized he was actually seeing himself and seemed to be viewing himself from outside of his own body. Later, the concept would become more widely known as an outer body experience. he later write about it in his 1971 book, Journeys Out of the Body, which at the time was a massive bestseller. In it, he describes how jarring all of the experimentation and strange experiences were. Here's an actor reading from Monroe's book.
1: The primary purposes for the release and publication of the material contained here are, one, that through dissemination as widely as possible, some other human being, perhaps just one, may be saved from the agony and terror of trial and error in an area where there have been no concrete answers. That he may have comfort in the knowledge that others have had the same experiences, that he will recognize in himself the phenomenon and thus avoid the trauma of psychotherapy or, at the worst, mental breakdown and commitment to a mental institution. And two, that tomorrow or in the years to come, the formal, accepted sciences of our culture will expand their horizons, concepts, postulates, and research. To open wide the avenues and doorways intimated herein, to the great enrichment of man's knowledge and understanding of himself and his complete environment.
0: After his first purported outer body experience in the late 1950s, Monroe would become obsessed with unlocking the mind's full potential, and spent the next several decades developing a technology he called HemiSync, eventually patenting it in 1975. It's this technology that serves as the basis of what the Moreau Institute teaches its visitors, as they explain in this promotional video produced in 2019.
1: This is the premier facility in the world for the exploration of consciousness. It is really a remarkable moment in history.
0: We are a research and educational organization.
1: All I can say to you, it is actually magical.
0: Some of the technical details can get a little complicated, but essentially, Hemisync involves using specially designed headphones to listen to carefully crafted audio patterns, as well as verbalized instructions that seek to synchronize the left and right hemispheres of the brain. The audio and Monroe's hemi-sync recordings rely on what's known as binaural beats. Though they're real things recognized by science, they're essentially thought to be an audio version of like an optical illusion. In other words, they make you hear something that's not actually there. Even though each of your ears is actually hearing a tone, if the frequencies are different by just the right amount, your brain will believe you're also hearing a sort of like rhythmic pulsing beat. I'll go ahead and play an example if you want to experience the audio illusion for yourself. Monroe believed that there was something about these odd beats that held untapped power when it came to harnessing consciousness. Before we go too much further, it's important to note that researchers aren't totally convinced that binaural beats offer any mood-altering benefits, much less hidden powers. But they are studying it. In fact, last year, the Society for Neuroscience published a study that concluded, quote, "...an auditory illusion thought to synchronize brainwaves and alter mood is no more effective than other sounds. The effect reported in other studies might be a placebo, but could still have helpful effects on some people." End quote. Monroe, whose friends would call him Bob, spent years building a program around a series of sounds that he claimed synchronized brain activity in ways previously never before understood. Here's how it's described on the Monroe Institute website.
1: Using specially designed binaural beat audio guided technology, originally developed by Bob Monroe, you will learn valuable tools to explore, navigate, and use non-physical aspects of your own higher consciousness
0: Sure, that sounds relatively harmless, but when you look at the official programs offered at the Monroe Institute, you'll see just how trippy some of their other ambitions are. The residential tracks include programs like Out-of-Body Experience, Healing, and Universal Consciousness. In 2012, the Washington Post sent a reporter to the Moreau Institute where she interviewed a self-described, quote, alpha cynic firefighter who attended programs at the prompting of his daughter and claimed that he and fellow students, this is a quote, learned to bend spoons with our minds, though the reporter herself didn't actually witness any spoon bending. For a minute, I want to hone in on one of their programs called Remote Viewing. That is, after all, one of the skills that the Army was interested in understanding when they sent a group of 35 intelligence officials to the Institute in the early 1980s. Here's an excerpt from the course description on the Monroe Institute website.
1: In just six days, you'll learn to develop your natural or innate ability to perceive and describe information about a person, place, or object from a distance.
0: They added this as well.
1: Focus your mind using Hemisync. While your success as a remote viewer is strongly tied to psychic ability, Hemisync Audio Technology aids your learning process by helping you focus.
0: The site also repeatedly touts its work with a man named Joseph McMoneagle, a retired U.S. Army Chief Warrant Officer that we're going to hear a lot more about later this season. Here's what we know about the Army's interest in the Monroe Institute, thanks to documents later declassified by the CIA. In 1983, an Army commander named Wayne McDowell was asked to assess techniques offered by the Institute after spending a week there himself. He described being taught to focus his own consciousness. And here's how he described it. It was like going from a soft, unfocused light of a lamp to a concentrated laser beam. He wrote in the official assessment, quote, intuitional insights of not only personal, but of practical and professional nature would seem to be within the bounds of reasonable expectations, end quote. Under the name Project Centerlane, the Army would eventually whittle down a large group of applicants to just 35 fair-minded intelligence officers who would go through training at the Institute. With all of its obvious intelligence implications, the Army was particularly interested in remote viewing. However, the results weren't exactly conclusive. In one transcript from the sessions, an operative claimed to have looked more than a million years into the past and observed a quote, ancient people living on the surface of Mars. Here's our actor reading from the declassified
1: transcript. Very tall. Again, very large people. But they're thin. They look thin because of their height. And they dress like, uh, oh hell, it's, it's like a real light silk. But it's not flowing type of clothing. It's, it's cut to fit. They're ancient people. They're dying. It's, it's past their time or age. They're very philosophic about it. They're looking for a way to survive, and they they just can't.
0: The alien visions don't really seem to be the kind of information the Army was looking for. But in an article in Hemisync Journal years later, a Hemisync expert said that the techniques would be useful for military officials to use for things like stress reduction and, quote, enhanced learning abilities, end quote. The Army division that was responsible for Project Centerline ended up being disbanded in the mid-90s, but the episode was far from the first time the Army became involved in strange, psychotronic research at a remote civilian facility. And as strange as some of the activities at the Monroe Institute may seem, they're nothing compared to what happened at a mysterious, sprawling estate on the coast of Maine starting in the late 1940s. The 45-room mansion and surrounding area were known as the Warrington Estate, and for several years served as the headquarters for a group who would be at the forefront of the military's research into psychic superpowers. They called themselves the Round Table Foundation. In addition to hosting some of the era's most prominent members of the East Coast elite of society, some of the rooms in the mansion were outfitted with what are known as Faraday cages. The large, copper-lined boxes are meant to block electromagnetic fields. Subjects of the research would sit in the cages while conducting the increasingly elaborate mental experiments. The group that called the estate their home was run by a man named Dr. Andrea Buharik, another figure we're going to hear a lot about later this season. Dr. Buharik, who served in World War II and held a medical degree from Northwestern University, was fascinated with the emerging field of parapsychology. Buharik was one of the individuals later responsible for bringing Yuri Geller to the United States for research. Dr. Buharik ran in very exclusive and very rich social circles and used his wealthy connections to establish and fund the Roundtable Foundation with the massive estate as their home base. The home regularly received visits from spiritualist and quote sensitive guests who would subject themselves to odd experiments, as notable business people, socialites, and authors like Aldous Huxley himself visited, staying for extended periods of time to experience the happenings for themselves. In the early days, the Roundtable Foundation was primarily concerned with understanding extrasensory perception. That's ESP. They wanted to see if it was possible to observe the world around us and communicate without the five natural senses of touch, taste, sight, smell, and sound. The Faraday Cages allowed the Round Table Foundation to try to harness so-called telepathic abilities and hopefully understand exactly how they worked. But they also studied psychokinesis, particularly through a man named Dr. D.J. Vinod, who Dr. Buharik said could move items with his mind. Here's Dr. Buharik in an interview from the late 1970s. This is after his time working with Yuri Geller. He's describing working with Dr. Vinod at the Warrington Estate and witnessing him seemingly creating things with his mind.
1: No, I'd actually uh, seen different levels of psychokinesis in 1953. I saw under laboratory conditions materialization of objects. I was studying a Hindu by the name of Dr. Vinod at that time. And subsequently, I saw dematerialization of physical objects.
0: While at the estate, Dr. Vinod also appeared to channel an odd-sounding voice referring to itself as, quote, the nine principles and forces. Dr. Buharik later said that he believed the voice was some sort of extraterrestrial intelligence. The estate started as a place for high-end, fancy cocktail parties and interesting research. But before long... Things at the mysterious compound would take some dark turns as their experiments leaned further from science and more closely toward the occult. But it was in 1953 when things would dramatically turn for Dr. Buharik, the Round Foundation, and the military's increasingly growing interest in ESP. That year, Dr. Buharik was briefing Pentagon officials about the group's findings at the Warrington estate regarding ESP when he was given a mission. The Pentagon had a hunch that Dr. Buharik's strange foundation could be on to something of deep national security interest, and according to declassified documents that Annie Jacobson cites in her book Phenomena, the army asked him to join a two-year research project to quote, locate a drug that might enhance ESP. The military wanted to figure out how to teach spies to use ESP, but they wanted to find a shortcut to what appeared to be a superpower. Buhark accepted the mission, to move to the Edgewood Chemical Biological Center in Maryland that he would use as his headquarters in his hunt for this elusive but powerful drug. Buharic and CIA officials had heard rumors about rituals that had been observed taking place in a remote part of Mexico by traveling researchers involving a rare mushroom that may just hold the abilities that they sought after. They even had a name for it. They called it God's Flesh took several expeditions, but Buharic would soon eventually come into possession of the rare mushroom found growing inside of canyon walls, and he agreed to begin research back at the Warrington estate. However, in the time that he'd been gone, residents had become even more unhinged, and soon, with the introduction of, quote, God's flesh, the research into ESP got downright scary. A Dutch sculptor who lived at the estate would scrawl odd Egyptian hieroglyphics on rock faces on the beach, claiming to be channeling a 5,000-year-old Egyptian prince. And the mushroom would react differently depending on who was consuming it. It was really unpredictable. At the same time, Dr. Puharg's personal life began to unravel, his wife began suffering from severe mental and emotional health problems, and in 1956, the Roundtable's primary financier, Alice Astaire Bouvier, suddenly died unexpectedly at the age of just 54. Her death and the increasingly strange happenings at the Warrington Estate effectively put an end to the Round Table Foundation, but Buharic and the Pentagon believe that their quest to weaponize ESP was just beginning now that they had located the mushrooms in Mexico. There's something important to note about the stories we've discussed in this episode so far. The anecdotes are compelling and seemingly unexplainable, but there's also some other research into psychology that's important to note here. We've talked about the intersections of neurology and psychology in this episode. But briefly, I want to talk about some more recent research into two different but related fields that I also feel like are pretty relevant to today's show. A few years ago, Sarah Gorman, a public health specialist who has a deep understanding of physiology, and her father, Jack Gorman, a psychiatrist, collaborated on a book called Denying to the Grave, Why We Ignore Facts That Will Save Us. In it, they talk about why people tend to believe things that may seem totally counter to reality. When people process information that confirms and more deeply supports things that they closely believe, they receive an actual dopamine rush. That's right, your brain actually releases an addictive chemical when you see things that confirm your beliefs. In his landmark book, The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion, social scientist Jonathan Hayden explains the phenomenon this way. People who devote their lives to studying something often come to believe that the object of their fascination is the key to understanding everything. He later writes this in the book, the human mind is a story processor, not a logic processor. Now look, I'm not discounting anyone's experiences, but this season is all about just how powerful the mind really is. And look, maybe the mind can give us the ability to do amazing, seemingly impossible things. But maybe the mind is just powerful enough to make us believe we can. In case you're wondering, today the Warrington Estate has been turned into condos and many of the documents housed there about the research appear to be lost to history. Well, maybe. The main lifestyle magazine Down East did a feature on the estate in 2017 and they researched what happened to all of the artifacts it once held. According to their research and a book written about the Dutch sculptor who briefly lived there, after the Roundtable Foundation folded, the facility turned into a Bible school. In his 1970s book about the sculptor's time there, Maine journalist Lloyd Ferris spoke to a pastor who attended that Bible school, who told him this I always had a funny feeling about that place. There were some negative vibes. According to him, school administrators burned the group's quote, occult works and they sealed off an underground tunnel on the campus, leaving the Faraday cages locked underneath the facility, possibly to this very day. Though the Monroe Institute and the Roundtable Foundation are civilian institutions, both in picturesque locations and places just out of sight from the public, the declassified documents and accounts from people who visited confirm they were of great military interest. But after the discovery of the God's flesh mushroom in the late 1950s, a new chapter in the government's mission to master mind control would open up. And this chapter would lead to one of the most infamous CIA programs in history and the death of an agent that to this day still remains one of the agency's darkest secrets. That's next time on Hiding Something. Writing Something is an ironclad production. All episodes are written by me, Jesse Carey. Our post-production producer is Chandler Strang. And hey, if you like the show, I would really, really, really appreciate it if you leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. They really, really do help other people discover the show. All right, thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.